Hello everybody, Bob Garino here, also known as Reggie Van Gearshift in earlier times. Uh, welcome to uh, my latest broadcast. This, uh, this particular topic today is on the Ferrari 288 GTO. Um, the 288 GTO was the successor to the 250 GTO, which is world famous, world renowned, actually one of which I drove back in the 1980s. Uh, this 288 GTO is a very different car. Uh, I was a Ferrari dealer in Cohasset, Massachusetts, uh, a small village about 25 miles south of Boston with a partner, Fritz, Fritz Mühlhaupt. Um, the company name was Auto House. We started in 1967. Ferrari is one of the franchises we started with, along with Porsche, BMW, eventually Alfa Romeo and Rover. Quite an interesting line of cars and a very interesting time dealing with these different machines. And Ferrari certainly was the most interesting. So just a little history on Ferrari importation. Originally, the Ferraris all came through Luigi Canetti in, uh, in Greenwich, Connecticut. Canetti was a friend of uh, Ferraris, a personal friend. He had raced, he had raced cars with, uh, in Europe, some very successfully. And he was the distributor up until, uh, up until 19, 1972. When the company merged with Al, Al Garthwaite, whose company was Algar in, uh, in Philadelphia and Paoli, Pennsylvania, the company became Kennedy Garthwaite, and they handled the importation of the cars up until 1979, when the Ferrari factory, Ferrari SPA, actually took over the importation. This happened to most of the major manufacturers that originally came in through smaller distributors. The factories wanted to take over. They wanted to control it. In 1979, they had their first dealer meeting up in Montreal at the, uh, at the, at the racetrack at the Formula One. We met Julie Schechter and Gilles Villeneuve. Um, and this was a portent of things to come with Ferrari, just incredible dealer meetings that they would have pretty much every two years. Um, the, next, the next dealer meeting was uh, in Italy. We found out that's where they were going to have the Piero Lardi Ferrari. Actually went around uh, Fiorano with him. That was, that was quite an event, uh, Ferrari in a Ferrari with me. They would tell us about their, their plans for the U.S. Remember, Ferrari had been missing from the U.S. for a number of years because they couldn't federalize the cars. They were still having difficulty meeting all the federal uh, requirements, so a lot of the 12 cylinders weren't coming in at that time. But in 1984, the dealer meeting, we went to Marinello again, and we were introduced to the Testarossa, uh, which became famous, of course. That was the first 12 cylinder that actually had since the 512BB uh, in the late 70s. We also went, on that trip, we went to the Scaglietti, the uh, Carrozzeria in, uh, in uh, Modena, and saw them working on the 288 GTO. Well, we had heard rumors that this car was going to be produced, uh, but here we actually saw the production of the car. They were using Kevlar on the hood and the rear lid. It was, it was to be quite an interesting car. And they told us at the dealer meeting that each dealer was going to get one car. So, worldwide, 200 and something dealers, they produced 272 cars. Um, none of them were going to be federalized, at least for the U.S. We, we couldn't really sell them until we, we modified them, both EPA and DOT standards. So, we had, um, we had a customer that was interested in the car. We had to sell it. They had to sell it to a customer. They couldn't sell it to the dealer. This fellow, good customer of ours, and we made the arrangements to go get the car. It was... Um, this was 1985. It was actually December of 1985. We had one of the very last 288 GTOs. I, we were a fairly small dealer, 
but a very old dealer. I mean, the dealership was, was the relationship with Ferrari was pretty old. Uh, so we went to, we went to Marinello in, in uh, early December to get the car. Well, it was a very foggy night, and fog in that part of Italy is really infamous. It's, you, you can't see anything. It, it, the, the European cars, as you may know, have rear fog lights, not only front fog lights, so you can be seen in these really treacherous situations. Anyway, we went there, uh, met Emilio Godoni, he was my contact there. Um, we did some paperwork, uh, and then um, we went to this garage, uh, which I hadn't seen before. It was just a single door garage, just behind the stone, the brick wall where the Ferrari factory is, the entrance. So he opened the door, and inside is the 288 GTO. Red, of course, Rosso Corso with black. We had ordered with air conditioning and electric windows. Interestingly, electric windows were lighter than, uh, than wind-up windows, so that's usually what they raced with. And this car was designed to compete in Group B uh, sports racing, but that never happens because that group got disbanded. So Ferrari only made 272 cars. So we go inside the garage, there's like four or five Ferrari mechanics, technicians, all dressed in the Ferrari jumpsuits, of course, all grinning broadly that we're there to get this car. So Jack's car, he gets in the, the driver's seat, we do all the, you know, the, the niceties and thank yous and such. Jack starts the car, boom, and he goes to put it in reverse gear, silence, I say, Jack, I don't know what's wrong, tries it again, I said, what's the matter? He says, it won't go in reverse. I said, of course it will. He tries once more. Well, Goldoni uh, very nicely comes over and says, and perhaps we should try and, and we can get the car out of here for you. So we both get out of the car and his head technician gets in, uh, starts the car. It's not going in reverse. So Goldoni says, ah, we'll, we'll take a look at this, don't worry. And so, so we left this garage, the door goes down. So we're standing out there with Goldoni waiting for whatever's going to happen. We don't know, but this is, uh, you know, Ferrari. Um, and uh, all of a sudden there's this screecher breaks out on the main road. And we look over and we see this Vespa with a, dry, with a rider uh, doing this arc through the air, like 15 feet above the ground. And you hear this pa bump. Uh, and Goldoni says, oh, don't worry, this happens all the time here with this fog and, you know. Uh, and apparently it did, but we were concerned about the driver, and we went over, and he was fine. The, the guy, the vessel was a little damaged. So shortly thereafter, um, there's, um, the door opens up again, and out backs the 288 GTO. Well, you know, hopefully you know what they sound like. Uh, so we get in the car, and we say goodbye to Goldoni. Well, we have to bring the car back, because he's going to ship it for us. So we're just going down the road a little bit. Actually, you can't go down the road at all because it's so foggy. But we take it out, Jack's driving, and we go for maybe half a mile. He says, I, I can't do this. He says, you have to drive. So I did, so I got in the car. But it was useless, you just couldn't do anything. So we take it back to the, to, to the factory, and Goldoni says, why don't you come back tomorrow morning? You can take it, it's supposed to be a beautiful day. And so we did, we went back the following morning, and I was driving it, and there's a road kind of a busy road outside the factory. We wanted to get off that and get onto the Autostrada. And that's where the car just opened up. It was like sublime. It was almost like 
It's almost like that scene, if you've ever seen Back to the Future, where the DeLorean suddenly gets this, this incredible surge of power. It goes into some different time zone. Well, that's sort of what this felt like. So we get down the autostrada, and there's some Porsche 911 that decides it wants to pass us. Well, that didn't happen. So we go down about, I don't know, 10 or 15 miles, and Goldoni had said, there's a side road that goes through the fields and the far past the farmers and such. And we took that on the way back. It was just a wonderful, wonderful experience, a wonderful car. We get back to the factory and said the thank yous, and Goldoni says, you'll have it very soon. They were shipping it back for us. Well, about two weeks later, I have a call from our agent, our, our import agent in Boston, Brian Hill. He says, Bob, uh, there's a car here for you. I said, what? It was the 288 GTO. That's the factory. They, didn't, they forgot to tell us that they had shipped it. Um, and there it was. I went to Logan to get it myself. The transport company we used wasn't available. And this is a Friday uh, before a long weekend. I said, I better go in there. So I went in, got the car through customs, uh, and headed south to Cohasset on the uh, Massachusetts, the Boston Expressway. Well, the Boston traffic is bad at good times. Well, this was, and not only was it Friday afternoon, it started to snow. And uh, that was something you loved about New England. But eventually I made it, made it to the dealership and everybody was waiting for the car to come in. There was a big round of applause and Fritz didn't want to drive it right away. It was actually a week or so before, or later before we drove it. Uh, I drove it again. Fritz didn't want to drive it, he just wanted to ride it. He does drive it, of course, eventually. So we had the car. Uh, we were not going to sell it. Uh, and we were going to get it federalized, get the EPA and the DOT. Uh, we were going to have the work done by Dick Fritz, a good friend of ours, had a Marispec, a company in Connecticut. He had done cars for us before, 512BBs, 400Is, knew, really knew what he was doing. And eventually that got happened. It took a while, maybe six months. Um, and the car didn't look any different, certainly didn't go any differently, but it had all the correct paperwork with it now. It had been federalized. So, as I said, we decided to keep the car. Um, and people, it was an attraction in the showroom. Certainly, we had lots of people come and look at it. Once in a while, Fritz would take it out and drive it, sort of clean it up. Once in a while, I did, uh, for our very good customers that were interested in the car. We had the car maybe six or seven years, and then we decided maybe we should sell it. Um, the car value had gone increasingly up from when we first got it. We had to get special insurance policies for it, what they call a stated value policy, what the car was really worth. It was worth 200000 then it was worth 400000 All these insurance policies were coming through Lloyd's of London, uh, and those were arranged through a friend of mine, Suzanne, who worked for Johnson & Higgins, a big insurance company in Boston. Eventually, eventually we had the car insured for a million dollars. But that was really kind of silly. We had heard stories that they were selling for that, but we wanted to be protected. Eventually, we decided we were going to sell the car. Um, and so we advertised it in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal. Uh, and we had a call from a, a local cardiologist works at, worked at Mass General, who was very interested in the car. Came down and looked at it. Didn't even want to drive it. Just wanted to see it, hear it, maybe. Uh, and he made the, we made the arrangements. Well, a lot of these things were not easy sales. He had property he wanted to, to transfer it to us. Eventually, we got all the, all, the, all the details worked out, and he took the car. We delivered it. I delivered it up to him myself in the North Shore. Uh, he was thrilled. He had a red Bentley, too, so he, was, he had a really interesting garage. 
What happened at the car after him? We're not sure. We did see it for sale uh, through a d dealer in Boston a few years later. I know it was the same car because of the serial number, of course. And after that, I lost track of the car. Uh, but it was just one of the fascinating cars we had, one of the fascinating stories, I think, to relay to you. Uh, and there's more. So, some of them are in my book, Let Me Sell You a Ferrari, published a couple of years ago by uh, McFarlane and a company. Uh, and some of them are not in the book, and that's why I had this series of broadcasts, just to fill in the blanks, so to speak. Thank you for listening. Um, there's a lot more stories coming up. Uh, you can visit the website, ferraritales.com, see some of the other pictures, some of the cars I drove, uh, and some of the excitement that uh, still goes on with Ferraris in everybody's life. So see you next time.